Holy Spirit, I just thank you. Even as I'm teaching and instructing on these aspects of who you are, it's so fresh, so much of it, that I feel it registering more to sell your level even with myself. And I just am awe in awe of who you are and who you're going to be revealed to be. And there really is going to be a most glorious demonstration of the knowledge of who you are and how you are filling the whole earth. And it's going to be far beyond anything we've ever even fantasized about how your kingdom could look on planet earth. And we see that this is your joy. It's not only possible, it's not only probable, it's going to happen. You said to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. And we are his body. He is the head, we are the body. And you are committed to seeing us, to, have the past, to having the patience with us, to let us connect the dots, to let us learn, to let us perceive from you how to properly see who you are and how you desire to be made manifest on planet Earth. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Session nine. We have now gone through the seven colors of the rainbow, discovering rainbow God. This session is discovering his image in you. Where we make the personal application a little more personal. This is our final session in the course, Rainbow God, Restoring God's Face to Society. So before we get into it, let's review. In the first session, we laid out the basic battle plan and strategy. It's all about the knowledge of God. That is what the devil fights against with all his resources. For us as believers, it is endgame scenario. The whole earth being filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of both who God is and how he is is our end goal as the advanced weaponry that we fight with. And there is no more advanced weaponry other than the knowledge of God himself. We remind you, it was that knowledge of a God who answers by fire that allowed Elijah to do what he did. It's not knowledge of the scriptures, not a title of apostle, not a title of prophet, not any peripheral religious or spiritual adornment, not ministry or church size, but actual insight into how he really is. Insight into how he really is is power. And probably no one is as, advanced, is as advanced in the knowledge of God as they think or desire. Some ways we probably know him more than we think. In other ways, we probably know him less. And ultimately, we can all increase in our own knowledge of God by gleaning from others how they've been able to see him. I don't know if my friend Bob Hartley is still here. I think he had to leave, but he had an encounter. I don't know if I'm telling it right. That's why I was asking if he was here. But he had an encounter. An angel show up at his bed, and the angel told him, said, Bob, you know, the whole earth really is going to be filled with the knowledge of God and the knowledge of the glory of God. And so Bob pushed the matter a little bit, said, uh, can I ask a question? The angel said, go ahead. Like about what percent of the knowledge of God do we presently have on planet Earth? <laughs> is that a good question? The angel said, about one. So we have over 200,000 people a day coming to the Lord with 1%. Imagine when we really start re-imaging him the way he is. <laughs> In sessions two through eight, we went through the seven primary faces of God that will reform the seven primary areas of culture. We looked at uh, matters in primarily impersonal ways. Elizabeth definitely helped make a personal connection there, and there was personal stuff brought in, in and out of, of those sessions. Uh, in this session, we want to talk some about discovering his image in you personally. The discovery of who God is in us and what parts of his image we were best designed to carry is a search and journey all in itself. 
the large majority of the people in the body of Christ express having much doubt as to what their assignment is. There's a lot of confusion there. It's almost as if if, if you are not a pastor, you are 90% likely to be unclear on what he wants you to do. We are all getting, I say that, you know, it doesn't have to be with you as a group. We are all getting that we are here to worship him. We got that. That part's down. Okay, we're here to worship him. And that we are wired for intimacy with him. Those are parts, you know, it's, that's, that, for a lot of people, that's all they know, and that's okay. But then he does give us specific assignments, and he does want us to know those as well. The Seven Mountain message in itself has been useful in helping many people identify a mountain of passion, and thus, finally, we'll say a ministerial identity that, that many desire. It's now common language where I go, my mountain is this, my mountain is government, my mountain is education, my mountain is arts and entertainment. It's a new terminology, and it helps people, you can see, it, it helps them, like, feel they have value and identity to say, my mountain is, I have a specific assignment. And I think, that's, I think that's been important. I think the Seven Mountain message has been uh, good in helping discover a, a new language to explain our, our platform, our individual platforms and pulpits, as it were, and that the church platform is not the only one, that you know, a mayor has a platform on the mountain of government. An actor has a platform on the mountain of celebration of arts and entertainment. A reporter has a platform on the mountain of media. A counselor or health worker has a platform on the mountain of family. An entrepreneur has a platform on the mountain of economy. A high school teacher has a platform on the mountain of education. Uh, the, the identifying of valid ministry platforms outside of the church has been very important because studies have proven that only 3% of church members will ever have a traditional mountain of religion ministry or position. It means only 3% will ever be the pastor or even work on in the school with the kids, Sunday school teacher, um, lead worship, be a missionary. If you add it all up, 3%. So that means there's 97% that must be validated in a respective sphere of influence that God has given them that's outside the church, and that hasn't happened. And they then have to be instructed and equipped on how to function there. And, uh, you know, for the lack of that, there's been this massive speaking of orphan spirit that's been on the body of Christ everywhere because 97% actually feel a little bit distant from him. They're like, you know, if I was really important, he'd give me something important to do. The assignment he gives you tells you something about yourself, whether you like it or not. We have people that go to, you know, Father's Heart conferences and know the Father's love and everything, but if he doesn't give us an assignment, something tells us, I don't think he thinks I'm all that. So we're wired to want an important assignment. And guess what? He has one for everyone. So the Seven Mountain Mandate validates that. It's like, okay, yeah, the salt's supposed to go outside the salt shaker. Yeah. Three percent of you function inside the salt shaker. Ninety-seven percent of you function in society where the rotting will take place if you don't show up. So we do have a nine DVD series on the Seven Mountain Mandate, and this is its specific purpose. I think we mentioned that before. There's a workbook that goes with it, but that's something designed to help people identify their assignment because there is value there. This particular session may have some overlap with that idea and pursue and pursuit, but we want to go after it a little bit differently. We are after discovering the nature of his image in us and then moving forward from that starting point. In the same way we describe the battlefield in society, in the same way you and I are assaulted as well with lies and must fight for the truth. We also want to always look behind every face value lie and find the lie about God that is inherent in that lies. All lies are ultimately about God. All truths to fight for are ultimately about God. So we'll still go out. What's the big lie about you? It's the big lie that each and every one of us has fought at some point, that everyone fights. 
The big lie is your life doesn't really matter. As we look to really apply things personally, it becomes important to recognize that this is the basic lie the devil is feeding everyone. And to accomplish this task, he has assigned demons to inform you of that reality, calling it reality when it's a lie. He is also strategically using the broken down state of culture in the seven mountains to also reinforce that in every possible way. As Elizabeth, I think, shared, there's the collective heart of society, <coughs> and there are things that every area of society are telling our hearts individually, and it gets reinforced when those structures and systems aren't operating in synchronicity with the way the kingdom operates. Now, we have already explored how that affects society, and of course, you are a member of society. Now, to be a transformer of society, and not just one conformed to society, you have to be set free from the lies that take them out. It's very difficult to give away that which you don't have yourself, that which I don't have myself. So your personal lie to deal with on your way to freedom is, my life doesn't really matter. You gotta deal a death blow to that lie. Now each of, knows, each of you knows in your brain that your life matters. Up here, you know that. But many of you are not so sure about that in your soul. People who are not so sure that they really matter treat themselves, others, and then even God as if they don't really matter. I'll say that again. People who are not so sure that they themselves really matter treat themselves, others, and then sometimes even God as if they don't really matter. If you don't think you really matter, you spend your life wandering in purposelessness and you live your life more reacting to it rather than focusing, following through, and responding. If you don't think you matter, you will find yourself escaping reality as often as possible and you will be extremely narcissistic. Additionally, when you are yearning for the significance you have but can't feel, then you will inherently look to people primarily for what they can give you. You will look to people for primarily what they can give you when you don't sense your own, when you can't feel your own significance. You could tend to be a ball of neediness. That can often show up as meanness, having addictions, workaholism, or a tendency to be emotionally complicated or shut down. I know that's none of you here, but you probably know somebody who's like that. <clears throat> but you may recognize that from time to time, you yourself go. I think for most of us, we recognize that at time, from time to time, we go into that. We go in and out of that. Because we're all the work in progress. And that is why we want to grow personally and be secured ourselves in the knowledge of God. Now, here's the lie behind the lie. The lie is your life doesn't really matter. But as I pointed out, every lie is ultimately founded in a lie about God. Now, if you don't believe you matter, a central lie will be that God can't possibly make every person matter. Think about that for a moment. Number one, he seems to have too many people to care for, too many things to do. You know, did your, freak, did your parents occasionally or frequently chase you off when you wanted a conversation or something from them by saying, hey, please go away, I'm just busy right now. <laughs> well, the truth about our Papa God is he's not too busy for us. And he is not even 1% anxious with the challenges of all the problems of the universe and of all the rebellious demons. So yes, he has time for you. He has time for you to matter. Number two, we think, well, how can everybody matter? There are over 7 billion people on the earth. Not everybody can be important and make a difference. Somebody has to be just the normal person. It's probably me. <laughs> Wrong again. The truth is everyone is wired in his image. And his image always matters. And it always carries 
mattering in it. It always has a purpose. His image always carries a purpose. And if we can't be, now, we've we got to be convinced of this because if we can't be convinced of that ourselves, then how are we going to convince the world of that truth? We must get it so we can give it away. Here's the big truth about you. In this ferocious battle of our lives, here then is the big truth that you must war with. You do have important things to do and say. So I'll just speak that over you. You have important things to do and say. Every one of you. You have important things to do and say. No matter what handicap, defect, marital status, economic status, educational status, race, or gender, you have something of great value to impart to the world. The purpose of this session is to assist you in discovering just what that might be. You are entirely a prototype that copies no previous person, as we were sharing before, nor will you ever be copied again. He took the time to wire you in that unique way, fully knowing every challenge you would be born into and every challenge you would subsequently face. Nothing threw him off. He knew things as profound as maybe your mom was going to be a crack addict. And so you were born with defective lungs or blindness or asthma or whatever. He attached purpose to everything he breathed into. His breath is proof that there is assignment and mattering. Even if the discovery of that is not easy to find, even if it's not easy to discover what that purpose is, it's there. His breath means that. This is actually the great treasure hunt before us, the discovery of who and how he is in us, and from there, who and how he is in others. But as I'm saying this, it starts with you. It's impossible for you not to be important. It's impossible. How do I say this more ways? It's impossible for you not to be important. You are made in his image and breathed into from his very breath. You have his photons and his subatomic particles running through your veins, so you matter. <laughs> okay, so here's a destiny formula for you. Relationship plus knowledge of God equal assignment. I'm going to explain in a minute, but I'll say it again. Your destiny formula, relationship plus knowledge of God equal assignment. Let me unpack this a bit. So it all starts with relationship. This generally starts when we discover him as Savior, becoming born again into the identity of your spiritual families is generally where it all starts. However, as previously noted, this initial relationship doesn't automatically translate into knowing our assignment. Most Christians have substantial doubt and confusion as to what they're supposed to be doing. This has been because most Christians have only advanced with the knowledge of his salvation. And as wonderful as that is, there's much more to him. We've been discovering that. So part two of the destiny formula is growing in the knowledge of God. Now, after hearing the last eight teachings we've given you, hopefully that registers in a new way with you. We've given you an idea of how that happens in this nuanced manner and that there is still so much more of him to be discovered in all of life. He's like the treasure in the field that has to be discovered. You know, the kingdom of God is like a treasure in the field. He's like the treasure to be discovered even in the dirt. Always remembering that what you think about God is the most important thing about you. You're literally empowered or disempowered by what you think about God, who you are convinced that he is or is not. As you can expand your knowledge of him, you too are expanded in your ability to release influence. Now here's a most vital truth that goes with this destiny formula. It is in the discovery of his heart that you discover your heart. I'll say that again. It's in the discovery of his heart that you discover your heart. Even as we went through each face of God that related to each area of culture, 
you should have at different times felt, I'll call it passionate identification fire. At different points, different ones, you should have felt a stronger uh, sense of, uh, you know, a burning inside of you that experiences him and senses him. That was a clue to you. That, that's a, a clue to, to you about your assignment. I say a clue because it's all a treasure hunt. We've done teachings on the seven mountains, and I had people come up to me and say, when you were talking about arts and entertainment, I was just burning inside the whole time. What does that mean? I go, what do you like to do, sing? I was like, well, there's probably a connection here. And so as we're, as we're exploring aspects of who he is, and then something inside us like, I have that color of him in me. So that's a clue that that's how you're supposed to manifest and be revealed. And the reality is that as you continue to search him out in all of his nuanced ways, that it begins to instruct you as to what primary aspects of himself he's assigned you to carry. This takes us to a proper understanding of the, the popular scripture, Psalms 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Y'all have heard that one? A lot of people's favorite scripture. I'll say it again. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You start by delighting in him, which means enjoying discovering him and letting his love in. And he will give you the desires of your heart. We often start backwards. It doesn't say start with identifying your desires. It starts with delighting and discovering him. You know, people keep naming and claiming their desires, but they're missing the discovery part. As you search out his heart, you find your heart. And out of that comes your destiny assignment. The word desire is so key, you know, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There is a Latin conjugation of it as a, as a root source there, de and sire, D-E and S-I-R-E, you know, the word desire. De means from. Sire means to engender by being the male parent. I'm sure all of you have heard of horses or bulls that are used for siring. It is in his heart that you discovered that which, that which you were sired for. There was a purpose he sired you for, and you find it in him. And it's never too late to discover and go after that purpose. Here is a related significant truth regarding your destiny assignment. As you increase your knowledge of him, your known assignment gets increased. I'll say that again. As you increase your knowledge of him, your known assignment gets increased as well. The assignment that you know about gets increased. As you discover him outside the religious box called church, you will find him and as you do, it will shift your sphere of influence and your clarity of assignment. In a way, the world really is right. You know, they say it's all about education, education, education. But it was meant to be education about him and specifically how he is in the land of the living. Another area that potentially expands your sphere of influence and clarity of assignment are your wounds. Say that again. I know it's a lot to take. Another area that potentially expands your sphere of influence and the clarity of your assignment are the wounds you've experienced. Yes, your wounds are designed to expand your sphere. Every wound or trauma of life creates the opportunity of knowing a deeper measure of God. The comfort We'll say this. The God of comfort is theoretic until you deeply need his comfort. Deep losses and profound abuses can become the engines of a deeper discovery of God, which then becomes a platform for who he has called you to be. Jesus received the deepest wound imaginable. It was not just his own kids brutalizing him, but also in losing connection to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a wound that is. But in his death, he discovered resurrection power that could not keep him in the grave. 
and he became the savior of the world. Your pain is never God picking on you. That could overcome a lie. Your pain is never God picking on you and always an opportunity to find more of him. And that which we find for ourselves can then be given away. For another clue on your treasure hunt towards discovering your, your destiny assignment, find your deepest pain. On the other side of encountering him in your pain, you will find a major strand or even platform of your destiny. So as we continue looking at restoring his image in you so that out of it you can become a reformer of society because you can't really give away that which you don't have yourself. Uh, is this where you were going to pick up right now? No. After that one, okay. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to review the uh, seven assurances of love that Elizabeth covered at the end of each session. When your soul is truly experiencing him, seeing God in his fullness, you're convinced that you really do matter. God in his most simple essence is love. So when we experience him as love, through the different unique expressions of love, our hearts are able to receive the reality of that love in a specific way that we need it. So we'll review those quickly. In session one, we encounter God as communicator, and we are assured of our destiny. Session two, we encountered, as far as this, uh, uh, session two on the faces themselves, we encountered God as Papa, and as we encounter him as Papa, we are assured of our acceptance. When we encounter God as creator, we are assured that we are enjoyed. So you get it? We have one destiny, acceptance, enjoyment, when we encounter God as provider, we are assured of his provision. When we encounter God as redeemer, we are assured of our eternal security. And when we encounter God as teacher, we are assured of our importance. And finally, when we encounter God as king, we are assured of our royalty. These are the ways that he shows love for us. So you are destined, you're accepted, you're enjoyed, you're provided for, your future here and for eternity is secure, you are important, you are royalty. That's the message from the seven colors of who he is. You matter to God. You matter to the one who created you, who is constantly communicating with you. You matter to your teacher, you matter to the one who has redeemed you and provides for you. You matter to the king of all kings. You matter to your heavenly father. You matter to your papa. Amen. Well, Elizabeth is going to follow up on this part right here. Yes. As Johnny was sharing the last piece on um, on discovering our assignment, I, who came to mind, which I've never thought of it in this light before, but the familiar story of Gideon. And, you know, in Judges 6, the story where the angel finds him kind of hiding because the Midianites have been attacking them and stealing their grain. And so he's um, threshing the wheat in a in a secluded area. And, you know, with every story in the Bible, there are always layers of truth. And there was kind of a new layer of truth that the Lord highlighted to me one day, and it just came to mind. So I, I want to share it with you. But we understand that obviously God was choosing someone to bring um, victory to the Israelites at that time through Gideon, if I'm remembering the story correctly. And he chose the most unlikely person at the time. He was like the lowest of the, of the family and of all the families there in the tribes. And um, yet God chose him. And clearly he was afraid because he was in hiding. But one time when I read it, the Holy Spirit showed me a different light on that. And he showed me how when the angel came to him, 
Gideon began to complain. And you can just hear the anger in his voice as he's saying, where is God? I, I heard of what he's done generations before me. He freed us from the hands of the Egyptians. Why, why don't we get to see that aspect of God? And there was a frustration in him. And immediately the angel answered him and said, go in this might and take your assignment. There's something also about a, when we can find a holy frustration, something that causes us to get a righteous anger over an injustice or even over a particular face of God that you, you're like, I know we can see this. That also could be a clue for us that that's something we could give our lives to or at least a season of our lives, right? I kind of want all the mountains. <laughs> I want to turn at each one of them. And I think he's okay with that too. But I love that the angel recognized there was something he could work with in that frustration that he had. And, um, you know, the other thing about Gideon is um, he was willing to contend for an aspect of God that he couldn't yet see, but he knew was possible. And I was thinking the other day about, you know, if in recent years in the body of Christ, we've, we've contended for um, healing and for, you know, I don't know about you, but how many times have I interceded and prayed, God, the, the, we know that you've given us a power to represent your heart. We should be able to go into hospitals and empty hospitals of people that are, that are diseased and that are dying and empty morgues. Like, we know you're capable of doing that. And why haven't you? Why haven't you trusted us with that yet? And I think as a generation, we've kind of run the gamut of, of doing all the things and turning this way and that way. Try, is this the position you want us in to accomplish that? Do you want us here? Do you want us there? We've tried it all. We did the name it, claim it thing. We did the, you know, I... Um, I, we'll, we'll lay hands on them and keep our eyes open and watch what you're doing. Like we've tried every tool we can think of to, to draw on this revival heart of God that would display to our generation in one fail swoop his heart and his power. So why not, God? And I felt like he showed me that he, he is so excited about giving us that. What he's more concerned about is that we would, if he gave it to us now, we would settle for less than he has for us. That is less than the knowledge of God in all the ways he can see, be seen. That is an aspect that we are to contend for. But what, what he wants to pour out through us is so much bigger Imagine if you had the power right now to just heal and raise the dead at, at your discretion, being led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know that we would spend so much time insisting on the knowledge of God and intimacy with him. And the cool thing is that whatever we gain in the spirit realm, we're not just gaining it for ourselves as individuals. We are all connected in ways that we have no comprehension of to one another and to those who've gone before us and those who will live after us. We are connected. And so what, what, we, um, what we punch through in this veil over, over the face of God becomes a hole for those who come after us to easily peer through. And we're a part of the front edge of a, of a tipping point into um, aspects of God. It's our turn to, to grab hold of and bring to earth. What a privilege. What a privilege. And yes, we get tastes of healings and mirac miracles and signs and wonders, and that will only increase and that revival power absolutely will spill out of the four walls of the church and into the streets. 
but not at the expense of us settling for less than the fullness of our God and all his many names. Um, I am wearing this shirt. I don't know if you can tell. It has little birds on it. And I think of them as sparrows because um, I just want to share this real quick story with you, and then I'm going to read one thing over you here in closing. But I believe there are um, questions in our hearts as individuals. We've talked about the collective heart of cities and nations, the collective heart of society. And those individual questions that we, if, if we really get to the root of, of the pain that's in our heart and in our lives, the disappointments, we land in those questions that Johnny, um, that Johnny talked about in this session. Do I really matter? And attached to that same question is, if God exists, is he really good? Can he be trusted? Because if he's good and if he can be trusted, then of course I matter. And if I matter, then of course he loves me. And only the creator of something or someone can give it its value. So we have to, in order to answer that question of all the questions I just named, we have to know that he exists and that he's good. I was really struggling with that question in a, in a as I said before, in a several-year season of my life. And it had kind of crescendoed into um, a season where we were struggling with some things with one of our daughters, and she was about to go off to college for the very first time. And um, it was the first one we were sending away. And... You know, it shouldn't have been, but looking back, it, it was, for me, a make-or-break moment that would define my, uh, if I had passed or failed as a parent, right? It was all wrapped up into, is this child going to be okay? And um, it was the night before we were going to drive her to, the, to another state and leave her at this college, and I was... Um, just thinking about God's goodness, and I had been singing one of my favorite songs by Jake Hamilton. I can't remember the name of it, but a line in there says, if his eye is on the sparrow, then I know he watches me. If his eye is on the sparrow, then I know his heart is on me. And um, I was like, God, are you really that good? I'm just kind of dialoguing with him, and I was Remembering the scripture um, where, I should have looked it up, but Jesus, I believe, was, was speaking of the sparrows or the birds, and not one single one falls to the ground without him knowing it. And I was questioning that. I was like, okay, is that just like an expression, or is that really true? Like, do you really care that much about all the kajillion birds that have ever lived and hit the ground. <laughs> Why would you care, you know? So I went to sleep that night kind of thinking about that, and I didn't sleep very well, and I woke up before everybody else the next morning just nervous about taking my daughter to school, and I threw my robe on, and I ran down the stairs in our house, still inside of our closed house, and at the bottom of my staircase was sitting a little sparrow. It had never happened before, and it never happened after that in all the years we lived in that house. And obviously, it came through the um, chimney to the through the flue of our of our fireplace. But it was amazing. It was just sitting there, you know, afraid and pitiful. And immediately, I remembered everything I'd been processing with the Lord the night before, and I was blown away. Because all I could hear him say is, I'm that good. I am that good. I'm that good. That's our God. All right, I want to read over you something that he gave me. 
a few years ago, but I believe it was for you. If you'll believe it too, it's going to hit you in a powerful way. And it's called, Know That I Love You. You are my daughter. You are my son. I love you. You belong to me. What delight I have that you are mine. What delight you give me when you know that you're mine. You are hidden in me, and nothing can take you from my hand. Nothing can divert my gaze from being on you. It always has been and always will be. Today and tomorrow and through every night, you are always in my sight. I am yours. I am in you. I hold you together in the very structure of who you are. I hold you. I surround you. You have access to all of who I am from close, from within you. I am behind every breath and every beat of your heart. I know you in ways you can't even imagine or understand. I know everything about you, what makes you, you. I know your every thought, word, choice, and action. I know you so well that I know what you'll do and the choices you'll make before you even make them because I know how you're made, what you've been through, and how you've processed things. You don't overwhelm me, and I'm never discouraged when I think of you. I know you, and I love you. I'm easily able to enjoy you like you are right now. You're one that I've chosen before I set time into motion. I chose you to live now. I chose you to come alive to the reality of who I am in this time in history. I chose you because I wanted you to know me like I know you. I wanted you to discover in a way that you'll know for all of eternity that I value you. I wanted you to discover that I want you. You matter. You have significance because I made you. Because you are my son. Because you are my daughter. I want you near me with nothing between us. Jesus, his perfection, was enough to tear down anything that would ever keep us apart. Because of your great value to me, I sent my very best just for you. Before time, I created you perfect and blameless, enough to fill my heart with joy forever. And what was stolen from you, from us, has been restored I look at you and see you as I made you perfect. You don't disappoint me. You thrill my heart with one look my way. I am for you. I was for you before you were born. I was for you in the midst of the lies of your circumstances and tragedies and crisis. I was for you in your worst moments so far. I was for you yesterday, and I will be for you tomorrow. I will be for you every moment you have yet to experience. I'm already there waiting for you, waiting to show you who I am and how much I care. You must look for me. I'll be the one for you. I'll be the one with the answers you're looking for, the peace you're craving, the love you're needing. I'll be the one cheering for you. I'll be the one speaking life to sustain you and comfort you. I'll be the voice of truth. So listen for me. 
I'll be the proud papa waiting for you to come home to, always ready to process with, the one with the satisfied look on my face, full of pride in who you are because you're mine. I tell you now and every day, if you'll hear me, you are of immeasurable worth to me. You have value beyond your comprehension. Anything that tells you otherwise is a lie from our enemy. You matter. I've given you important things to say and important things to do because you are important. So say them and do them boldly and in confidence as one who is valued, loved, and important because you are. Do them with me and through me because all I've ever really wanted was to be close to you and for us to know each other face to face. In me, you can do anything. You can get through anything. You can be as important as I created you to be. I value you so much that I want you to represent me. Show them who you know me to be. You can know me. You already do more than you think you do. You've seen me. You've known me. And you can know me in an ever-increasing way. Discover me today. Look for me. Care about what I care about. Know me. Know that I love you. No one could love you more than I do right now. I'm your papa, your rainbow God, your seven colors of love. I'm just going to ask you to stand real quick and do a closing prayer over you. It's been such a privilege to share with you. We felt the hunger throughout. We know it's hard to absorb that much, but it's been a real privilege for us to be able to do this together. We really do believe these are the most exciting days coming before us. and The spring season of the kingdom age has just begun. And uh, that's next on the agenda. I think once you hear this, you understand why he can't just come right now. His story's not been told yet. He doesn't, hasn't had his kids who get his heart and how he is and haven't advanced his name as, as we're going to. But he's given us the revelation now. He's given us the, the faith and, and the vision to see what he wants to do and what he wants to be. And so I believe it's just an awesome privilege for us to live time like this. So you just lift your hands like this. You don't have to lift too high, but Holy Spirit, we just thank you for who you've been for us during these two days together. I ask Holy Spirit that right now you just pour out your spirit and your presence on those that are here, those that have been listening. Holy Spirit, I just ask that your water would come on all the seeds that you have gone into the hearts and to the souls and the spirits. I thank you, Lord, for the amazing things you have in mind for these that made the sacrifice to come to this event. It, it revealed something of their own heart, of their own pursuit for you already. And I thank you, Lord, that there is such treasure, such treasure of destiny, such, such a harvest of fruitfulness that will come even from uh, these, these two days together and, and those that have uh, been here. And I thank you, Lord, for an increased season of dreams and revelations an increased season of revelatory experiences with you. That'll be for these that are uh, here right now, those that are listening. I thank you that there is this thing of, as we see you more, then our heart becomes conditioned to be able to receive more even. And I just even see, just as I'm speaking, all these colors moving around each and every one of those that are, that are here. And so I thank you for the gifts that are being stirred and for... Uh, the power that is being released, that you're stirring up dunamis power even in your kids. And uh, those that understand your heart and your mission, it's such a privileged time. So let your, just your presence and your glory come on them now. I ask you, Lord, 
just to heal any disease that's represented here, break off any anxiety, release your kingdom into every bone, into blood systems, to hearts, lungs, livers, kidneys, intestines in every way, Lord. I thank you that as we increase our knowledge of you, even our physical bodies become restored. I just feel like there's many of you are gonna find that your body, your physical body has been restored and there's new strength, new energy, uh, insomnia. I think uh, at least a couple of you that haven't been able to sleep well, you're gonna find something has been secured in your heart It's gonna allow you to sleep easier and uh, you're not gonna need the, the helps that you needed and uh, you know, he gives his beloved sleep and some of you just didn't know you were his beloved and you know it now and you're gonna be able to sleep and so I just bless your sleep and your rest. And I bless there's a strengthening of hearts. I think there's someone who's had a weak heart. And the doctor may have told you that I believe your heart's been strengthened now. You'll even get confirmation of that from a doctor. Your heart's been strengthened as you've expanded your vision perspective of who he is. So thank you, Lord, for just a reign of your glory right now in this place. Just release that. The reign of your glory. Let it come down. Let your wind come down, Lord. Let your presence come on each and every one that is here. Oh, come in. Yeah. Yeah. Just come in. We just receive the light of who you are beyond what we can understand with our natural minds. We just position ourselves under your light. And by faith, we allow it to just radiate through us right now, every cell of our bodies, every corner of our heart, our minds. The essence of your love and your power that's in your light. Yeah. Your radiant face. We receive you. We let you in. Pour out your love. We open up every, every corner of our heart, every cell. Yes. We feast on you right now, the fullness Uh, of who you are. Whoa. We receive your strength. Thank you, Jesus. You saw a vision of a rain coming in. It's a rainbow-colored rain, just in all colors. So just receive that. Rainbow rain. Yeah, come on in. (laughs) Drops from Papa. All across the nations. (laughs) All across the nations. Uh, Let it rain. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Ah. Yeah. Let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. You rain. by contributions from listeners like you. To donate, go online to restore7.org. Thank you.